It's interesting. Uh, I met with several people uh, this past week and shared with them that we were going to be talking about forgiveness uh, this morning. And uh, I got some of the um, elbow, you know, kind of thing going. And it was like, ooh, my son, my daughter, my spouse really needs to hear that sermon. And so uh, it, it's one of those uh, messages this morning. So if you got dragged to church, uh, this morning, it's maybe because your mom or your dad or your spouse or somebody thinks you need to hear the message. Or uh, I'll just say this, if, uh, you know, if this message, the Holy Spirit speaks to you this morning, um, these, we post all our sermons online. If you know somebody who might really need uh, to hear this message this morning, uh, know that this will be up on, online Tuesday, um, about Tuesday-ish uh, this week. I've got a good friend um, who's really struggling with forgiveness right now, and so I actually plan on sending him uh, the uh, the sermon card this morning and uh, with an encouragement to go and, and hear this message um, and it's a message I think uh, forgiveness is one of those messages that we all need to hear all right did I give you enough time to get to Luke 11 all right let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this time together this morning. We thank you for the crew that is traveling to Nashville. We pray, God, that again, your Holy Spirit might surround them and encourage them and equip them to proclaim love and forgiveness and good news to all that they encounter uh, on the road, uh, but then also certainly while they are uh, traveling in and around Nashville. We pray, Lord, that this morning uh, that you would open our hearts and our minds to, to hear some fresh good news in our lives um, through your word. God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a couple months ago, uh, I was traveling on an Amtrak train from Chicago to Boston, and uh, if you've ever traveled on Amtrak from kind of out that way, uh, you maybe had a very similar experience. There were a lot of Amish people uh, riding on the train that day. And as I'm watching these Amish people doing their Amish things, dressed in their Amish clothes, I was very kind of discreetly uh, observing, watching them. Their behavior is very different uh, than, most the, than the rest of us because most of the rest of us are glued to our phones, right? And they actually talk to each other and uh, write letters and, and do some really interesting things. And, and one of the things, of course, about Amish people is that well, we share this great nation with them. We all live, live in this land of freedom. They have chosen uh, to use and express their freedom in, in different ways. And they've said, you know what? Even though we are free to be on uh, phones or we're free to wear certain things or free uh, to enjoy uh, certain pieces of technology, we're going to just choose to not. And it's all based, of course, on their faith in Jesus Christ. And so for several hours as I'm riding on this train, I'm just watching and, and I'm thinking in my mind, wow, this is just really remarkable uh, how these people, uh, Jesus guides their lives, their faith in Christ and directs them at, at every single level. They've just said no to so many things uh, and they've chosen uh, to live a certain way. And I just thought, gosh, I wonder what it's like to walk in their shoes. I wonder what that's like to be an Amish person. 
And whenever I see an Amish person, whether it's on an Amtrak train or maybe I see a buggy uh, scooting down the road or uh, someone out walking, I'm always reminded of that incident in 2006. And maybe you recall what happened uh, in 2006. It was a lone gunman, a non-Amish person, walked into a schoolhouse, an Amish schoolhouse, took 10 girls hostage, shot eight of them, killed five, and then he turned the gun on himself and committed suicide. Anybody remember that? Back in, that was 2006. I mean, it's one of those images, one of those stories that you're in absolute shock. How in the world could someone do this to these sweet little Amish children? How does that even happen? And if that wasn't just kind of mind-blowing enough, what happened next, I think, was even more extraordinary. Within the next few days and weeks, the Amish community came out with statements and said, you know what? We forgive the gunman. And then this, the Amish community showed up at the funeral of the gunman and they surrounded the family of the, gunman's, uh, of the gunman and they just put their arms around the family and said, we love you and we forgive this young man who committed this atrocity. And if you were, your reaction was like my reaction, it was like, how in the world does this even happen? And, and even the, the, the family members of those parents and siblings uh, of those who were killed went to the gunman's family and said, we forgive this young man. It's an extraordinary story of forgiveness. And I share that story with you this morning because it is so extreme and, and it just kind of blows our minds in terms of what in the world do you do with someone who commits such a horrible crime? And all of us wrestle with this idea of forgiveness. In fact, if there is one issue that people come to me over and over and over in the life of the church, is, it's, it's this issue of forgiveness. People come to me and say, you know what, I'm really having trouble forgiving myself for the things that I did. Or I'm having trouble forgiving other people or another person who did something really horrible to me. And it's one of these issues that we all deal with in various levels. And, and, and so I just want to kind of do, do a little exercise with you this morning. Um, because most of the time we can think, oh yeah, I, I can forgive you know, minor offenses. And we all kind of have a, a forgiveness quotient, right? And so if one is a really minor infraction, um, sometimes my kids will look at me and say, Dad, I forgive you for wearing those shoes, right? <laughs> So I, I forgive you for wearing those shoes this morning. Okay, if that's, that's a one. Jeff's got these awesome red, are those suede shoes, Jeff? Yeah, red suede shoes. Red suede shoes. I forgive you for wearing red suede shoes to, to worship on Sunday morning. If that's a one, and if on the other extreme is a 10, and that's uh, uh, someone has um, kidnapped your, your child, assaulted them and then murdered them. That's, that's a 10. So there's the continuum. Minor infraction to the most horrible infraction that we could ever imagine. Think Amish community, right? So if you're on a scale of 1 to 10, 
all of us could kind of put ourselves somewhere along the line, right? And we could, we could go, oh, I'm a two, three, four, five, six, seven. But once you get to eight, you're like, yeah, that, that, that person, I can't forgive that person, right? Because they're on the other side of the line and we've all got various um, uh, numbers that we're kind of living in and, and struggling. And, and, and most of us, it's, we can get beyond the ones, the twos, the maybe the threes and the fours. Um, and, and so, you know, it's Sunday morning, so I know many of you are thinking, well, it's worship, I'm at Faith Lutheran Church, it's Sunday morning, I'm probably a nine, right? But what if I were to ask your spouse or your kids, right? <laughs> Let's be honest this morning. What is your forgiveness number? Because we all have a number, right? And if we're really honest, it's probably lower than what we'd like to believe. And so this morning, I want us to just spend some time being honest and real with one another. And I do not for, for a moment want to minimize how difficult forgiveness is. This is a really serious, difficult topic. And so this morning, I want you to hear these words from Luke again. And my prayer is that, that through this message, you might hear some good news for you and that you might be able to take another step um, in your forgiveness journey this morning. So Luke 11, beginning with verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father, it's, it's about a relationship. You're not just praying to the atmosphere or you're not just praying to some force out in the world, but you are praying to your creator. Pray, Father. In the, in the, in the Hebrew uh, word here is, is Abba, of course. It's, it's relational. It's connection. Hallowed be your name. God, you are not only my Father, but you are holy. Your kingdom come. God, I recognize the world is broken. So come, come and be among us. Give us today, each day, our daily bread. God, we've got lots of needs. Help us in our needs. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive anyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, because there's lots of temptation in the world. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give the bread because of friendship, again, it's because of this relationship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And you ought to be thinking here, what Jesus is saying is be persistent. Be persistent in your prayers. And so Jesus continues, and so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Be persistent. 
Seek and you will find. Be persistent. Knock and the door will be open to you. Be persistent for everyone who asks, uh, for everyone who receives. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, um, oops, the one who finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. And then Jesus reminds the disciples how good our Heavenly Father is. He says, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is forming this entire conversation around prayer, around relationship. A relationship with God who is really, really good, far beyond any goodness that we could ever imagine. And so as we go through life, we've got this Heavenly Father who invites us to be persistent in prayer, be persistent in relationship, be persistent in connection, but we've got this sin problem. And I think we oftentimes don't understand or struggle with forgiveness because we don't truly understand uh, the, the problem of sin in our lives. We're a little bit fuzzy on what sin does. And so let me just clarify you for what, uh, what sin is. Sin are those things that you're thinking, right? It's those things in your mind that nobody else can see. And God, but God sees them. It's those things that you say, those words that come out of your mouth that you wish you hadn't said, that's sin. And it's, it's how you live your life. It's, it's your actions. It's your deeds. It's what you do. It's the ways in which you wrong other people. Now, other ways that we sin are either of commission or omission. Commission means I know I'm not supposed to do it but I do it anyways, right? I'm just gonna do it. And omission is, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just gonna walk away. And so we are sinful by our nature, by our birth. We are born sinful. But then of course we also choose to be sinful. I mean, sin is everywhere. And it breaks that relationship with God and with one another. So along comes forgiveness. And we think to ourselves, well, that ought to be easy enough, but it's not. And sometimes people will come to me and they'll share with me and they'll say something like, you know, I'm just having trouble forgiving my, myself of my sin. I did something really horrible either this week, last month, last year, many years ago, and I just can't forgive myself. Anybody ever thought that? Struggle with forgiving yourself? And when people come and share that with me, I, I certainly listen to them. But as Christ followers, you need to know, you need to be reminded that you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself. Only Jesus can forgive you. See, because when sin comes along, it causes a problem between us and God and us and one another. And we think to ourselves, well, I did something wrong. There's some sin in my life. And so the sin is weighing me down, so I need to do some really good deeds 
And so we try to do lots and lots of good deeds in our lives. And Jesus uses this language of, uh, as, it, as it relates to sin, as it uh, has to do with debt. And as we think about debt, anybody relate to the idea of debt? Maybe every month uh, a little statement shows up in the mail from the mortgage company, right? You've got some debt. Maybe you've got a car payment. Maybe you've got um, some student loans. Maybe you've got credit card debt. Maybe you've just got bills that show up every month to pay for the electricity or the gas or the garbage. Most of you probably don't prepay your utility bills, right? So you probably owe the government some money for something, right? And that's your debt. And every month you get a statement or probably multiple statements in the mail or an email saying, this is how much you owe us and you need to pay your debt. You need to pay your bills, right? Can, can we all relate to that? And if you don't have one of those showing up yet, praise God, right? It's coming. There is a day coming when you are going to get bill after bill after bill, and they're going to start showing up, and somebody's going to say, hey, pay up, right? That's, that's what sin is. It's that pay up. And so can you imagine if God were to send you a bill every single month, a statement of debt every single month, and on that bill, it says all the sins that you've committed, right? Can you imagine all those sins, thoughts, words, and deeds? You're looking through the list going, holy cow, I sinned a lot this month, right? And, God, and then you're like, oh, wait a second, that was at like 3 o'clock in the morning. God, you were awake then? God's like, oh, yeah, I was awake. It's, it's right there on your bill. Pay up. I mean, what if God did that? This is the idea of what sin, what, what's going on. And, and there comes a day of reckoning with sin because it separates us from God and from one another. And the sin needs to be paid. And the good news is, folks, only Jesus can pay that bill. We give that bill to Jesus and we lay it at the cross. And he says, I got it. And he takes that bill and he rips it up. He invites us to experience freedom. So if you're wrestling or you're struggling this morning with any kind of sin that you have committed against other people, and it's impacting your relationship with other people or with God, and, and somehow you're trying to pay that debt on your own, you're trying to forgive yourself, you can't. You can't pay that bill. Scripture tells us the wages of sin is death. You can't pay the bill. But Jesus says, I can. And he went to the cross and died for us. And I want you to hear that good news again this morning, because I know as much as we struggle and wrestle with our own sin, we need to be reminded that only freedom comes through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we receive that with open arms, he says, paid in full, you're good, right? And that's half the equation of experiencing freedom as we go through life. But the other half of the equation is when others sin against us. And Jesus invites us to forgive them. And so Jesus says, when you pray, pray this, forgive us our sins. So on your sheet this morning, I want you to write down a couple things. Forgiveness is granting pardon 
giving up all claim, absolving, and letting go. See, I think one of the reasons why we have so much trouble with forgiveness is we don't understand what forgiveness is. And so we have to define it, we have to clarify. It's letting go, letting go of our sin. Letting go of the ways in which we have sinned before others and sinned before God. But then there's the other half. Jesus says, forgive, uh, pray this way, forgive us our sin, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. I think most of us kind of get this idea of what uh, uh, forgiveness is. But I think it's more helpful, in fact, to talk about what forgiveness is not. Because I hear a lot of misunderstandings about what forgiveness is not. And I hope as we go through these, this list of what forgiveness is not, you will experience a little bit of freedom. Okay? That's really what this morning is meant to be about, is healing and freedom. Number one, forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin approving or diminishing sin. When someone sins against you, it's, we, we don't say to them, oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay. What you did, even though it was wrong, I've seen far worse. Folks, sin is sin. And when we diminish sin, what we are doing is diminishing the price that it cost Jesus on the cross. It's offensive to God for us to diminish sin. So forgiveness is not diminishing sin. Forgiveness is not approving sin. Number two, forgiveness is not enabling sin. Forgiveness is not enabling sin. And sometimes as I talk to couples about the sin in their lives, it's really easy for one spouse to say, well, I'm just supposed to support my spouse, right? And so let them do whatever sin they're doing. But when we enable others to sin and keep doing what they're doing, that's not true forgiveness. Sometimes some of the most loving kind, faithful things that we can do for our spouse or someone else is, that is sinning is to call them out on it, right? Enabling others to just go along with their sin. That is, and, and just, just saying, oh, I forgive you. That is not forgiveness. That is enabling sin, and that is not forgiveness. Number three, forgiveness is not denying a wrongdoing. It didn't happen, right? Someone does something against you, and you're just like, ah, oh, it didn't happen, doesn't bother me, right? It's the, uh, I'm rubber, you're glue, you know, whatever bounces off to me sticks to you. Didn't happen, I'm, I'm good. That's not forgiveness, that's denial, right? So that's not true forgiveness. Number four, forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Folks, I'm here to break it to you this morning. Some people are never going to apologize. Some people are going to sin against you. They're going to walk away from your life. You're never going to see them again, and they're never going to apologize. 
So if you're waiting for an apology so that you can offer forgiveness, you're going to be waiting a long time. Waiting for an apology is not bound by forgiveness. Okay? It's a myth. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Forgiveness, number five, is not forgetting. You know, this is one of the great myths of being a Jesus follower. Well, just forgive and forget, right? You can't. Someone who has wounded you so deeply, you can't just shut it off. That pain is real. It hurts. There's no such thing as forgiving and forgetting. And as you go through life, the pain may get less and less and less, but you cannot. Some of those sins are so acute. Some of them are so painful. You can't just shut it off. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Number six, forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. Forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. When someone sins against you or someone you love, it hurts. And it will hurt maybe for the rest of your life. That pain won't just stop. You don't just say, hey, I forgive you, and then the pain is gone, right? That pain can stay with you for a good long time and maybe for the rest of your life. In fact, Scripture tells us that only when we get to heaven and with Jesus will all the pain and suffering go away. So just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean it doesn't still hurt and it's still not painful. Forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. Number seven, forgiveness is not a one-time event. You don't just say to someone, hey, I forgive you, and then it's over, right? Forgiveness, in my experiences, is about a process. It takes time. It certainly begins with a step of, of the, 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 the intention, the words, the thoughts of, of forgiveness. But oftentimes, forgiveness doesn't just happen like that. It's not a one-time event. And sometimes we experience the pain over and over and over. And so we need to keep forgiving over and over and over. Number uh, eight, forgiveness is not neglecting justice. If someone sins against you, you can call the police. You should call the police. You can testify before that person. We don't neglect justice when we forgive other people. Justice is still part of the equation. I would imagine there are probably some people here who um, were abused as children. And then all of a sudden someone comes along, maybe your abuser, and says, hey, could I take care of your children? The answer is no, right? Justice needs to be served. Just because we forgive someone doesn't mean that we deny or walk away or neglect justice. That's not forgiveness. Number nine, forgiveness is not trusting. Forgiveness is not trusting. Some of you just give your heart to whoever is standing in front of you. And I want to remind you that trust is earned. Trust is earned slowly over time. 
and trust can be broken in an instant. Trust needs to be earned and it's broken in an instant. So when you forgive someone, one of the biggest errors people make is they automatically trust that person. Oh, I'm supposed to trust that person because I've forgiven them. That's a big mistake, folks. They have to earn that trust over time. And they may never earn that trust back, but you can still forgive them. But it doesn't mean you're going to trust them. And number 10, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Just because someone sinned against you doesn't mean that the relationship is going to be reconciled. It takes two people, right, to, to reconcile. It takes one person to forgive, two people to reconcile. One person to forgive, two people to reconcile. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that as much as we're able, we ought to live at peace with other people. What I'm trying to say is you can forgive other people and they don't want anything to do with you, okay? Just because you've forgiven someone else doesn't mean the relationship has been mended and brought back together, that there's not full reconciliation. Forgiveness happens with one person, and Paul invites us and reminds us, encourages us to be that person, to extend the olive branch. But just because we've extended the olive branch doesn't mean the other person is going to extend it back. And so this morning, as you think about these 10 thoughts around forgiveness, about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not, I, you know, the list of what forgiveness is not is pretty long. And I think each one of us would do well to spend some time thinking about that person who's wronged us. And through this lens of what forgiveness is not, just to pray over, all right, what are the things on this list? Because many of us go through life with misconceptions about what forgiveness is and what it's not. And there's a whole lot of things that forgiveness is not. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God, uh, first of all, who forgives us unconditionally and always. And God, like um, the story of the Amish and the story of forgiveness that happened uh, a few years ago, that's what you do for us. No matter how much we sin against you and we sin against others, Lord, you continue to meet us and you promise to forgive us all of our sins. And God, as you remind us in this prayer today, the Lord's Prayer, God, you invite us to forgive other people. And God, in so many ways, that's so much more difficult because it's personal and it hurts. We've been abandoned, we've been lied about, people have stolen from us, we've been abused. <coughs> We've been wounded, God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do what only you can do. Is help us to just live into what it means to forgive others. Because when we do, then and only then can we experience freedom as we go through life. Lord, I know this is a heavy topic today for so many of us. 
And so we pray that your Holy Spirit might just move and transform and heal. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.